Welcome back to episode 28 of the Web3 show. As always, I'm here with my crypto entourage. We've got Q in the house. He's an absolute, he's being an absolute champion today. Uh, you'll, you'll shortly hear that, that his voice sounds a bit different this week. He, he, uh, contracted a little virus, uh, that we are all too familiar with, um, over the past weekend. So thanks Q for still turning up and putting a shift in. Um, of course he's, he's coming off the back of his, uh, his, um, you know, kickstarting his influencer career from the, the keynote. We want to hear how that was, um, last week and uh yeah i'm sure he's gonna put in a great shift in as always and then of course we've got your your guy in tradfi uh he's pivoted his career to he tells us to become a uh, commodities trader he's going to give us some insights on um the canned beans market this morning um uh, i'm not i only say that <laughs> i only say that because uh, i want to get his perspective on uh on the, the the doom and gloom he's been seeing around, but yeah, um, our resident commodities trader, welcome back to the show, boys. Um, before we jump in, uh, I'm going to ask this question. Obviously, Q, I know you you're not feeling too well, but just uh, mentally, how are you guys feeling? I think we've been a, a you know in a sort of bear market structure. We had the crash about two three weeks ago. We're sort of back up at 30, 30K for 31K for Bitcoin. It's sort of been four weeks of tumultuous markets. How are you guys feeling mentally at this point? Are you excited, nervous? And then obviously we'll segue into Q's market update. But just uh, generally, and Q, we know, you, we know you're feeling shit from a whole standpoint. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> mentally in terms of crypto, how are you feeling? Yeah, fuck yeah. COVID uh, has put a little bit of a, a grey cloud over my my sentiment towards the market, but I'm feeling bullish. I think we we lining up for a possible relief rally this month, uh, coming June. Um, it's basically going to boil down to to what happens in TradFi, um, but I think Bitcoin is showing that it's ready to ready to have a move. We finally broke out of that range, so yeah, I'm feeling short term bullish for for a little bit of relief. Um, but I'll dive more into that in my yeah. update. And Luca, I mean, in terms of you uh, pivoting to become a commodities trader, that probably gives the, the, the signal of how you're feeling, right? <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking. Yeah, no, look, I think, I mean, you know, when the market's topping, you get multiple opportunities to sell um, as we're kind of getting this crash moving on uh, towards other things later in the year. Um, I think there will be multiple opportunities to sell. So I am sitting on my hands right now, just seeing what happens. Um, I, I don't think there's any rush, basically. Uh, it's not a case of now suddenly we've, you know, we've seen some, I mean, there are some wild gains in altcoins at the moment. Um, but this, more often than not, I think in a downtrend, we just see a continuation. Um, so uh, I am hodling canned beans and cash. <laughs> to answer your question, <laughs> yeah, any, can, any, any gold? Are you are you hardly any gold? Peter Schiff might be upset if you're not holding your gold, bro. <laughs> no, listen, no, we, just, we, we, uh, we don't come from Virginia, that generation. Just Virginia gold. <laughs> Virginia gold. Yeah, can can beans into in into um in case the the world world war breaks out and uh, cash to buy that BTFD right. 
Um, <laughs> Find the fucking dead body. That's it. That's it. <laughs> but Q, uh, let's let's dive into the market update. As I've already mentioned, we we're sitting around around thirty one thousand six hundred twenty three dollars Bitcoin. Um, market looks like it's coming back a bit. Um, could I mean the main question over this, which you'll I'm sure you'll shed some light on, is is this a you know, just going to be a short relief rally before we go down again. Is it going to take a back black swan event to do this, or are we are we sort of destined for that path? But yeah, give us give us your insights on what's what's happening. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, as I just briefly said, we we basically broke out of that pretty tight short term range that we've been in for the past couple of weeks, uh, ranging from twenty eight eight to thirty one five. Um, but what we saw last night was, sorry, that was the peak of the range. We had a median range as well at, at around 30,700. So a lot of people were kind of scalp trading this range, um, waiting for this break. We had a lot of indicators tightening. So the breakout was expected, whether it was to the upside or the downside, no one knew. <laughs> but we got the breakout to the upside last night, which is fantastic to see. Um, it's kind of what we've been waiting for. And it was also... It made sense considering the green close that we had in the S&P and the NASDAQ on Friday last week. Um, they closed on major resistance levels, but breaking out of their downtrend uh, channels, um, which is super bullish. So what we what, what we did see on Friday is when stocks were having that rally, BTC was actually sitting around 29K and wasn't really moving. So Bitcoin was lagging on the stocks. So this little relief that we saw over the past two days now, this pump from 29, uh, 28.8 to, you know, 32.3 last night could very well just be Bitcoin catching up to what the stocks closed last week um, because we did have a bit of a decoupling towards the end of the week. So I think what, what's going to be a super crucial now is there's, there's kind of two scenarios at play here. Uh, scenario one is Bitcoin just got rejected at the 200-day uh, EMA on the four-hourly. So the 200 EMA on the four-hourly which was at 32.3. It was a textbook rejection there. So what can be expected is that we come down for a retest of breakouts at around 31.200 before we continue our uptrend. But that uptrend will be dependent on whether stocks open green today and continue their momentum up or if stocks get rejected. And what we are seeing is that the S&P has closed weekly last week on a major weekly resistance zone. So if we can break that in TradFi, it will likely send a shockwave allowing, well, basically sending a risk on sentiment shift for the short term. Um, that would play super well into a short term relief rally for the month of June, where we could see Bitcoin push to that 37, 38K level before having the bigger downside move. Um, so if you are looking to short term this, you know, the levels I'm watching is 31,200. Um, and yeah, if we lose 31,200 and we start coming down a bit more, we're likely to go back to test the bottom of the range. So just be cautious trading this at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, dominance is, dominance is climbing as well. Uh, what we saw with the breakouts, we know Bitcoin dominance broke out as well, um, showing that Bitcoin is still in control of the markets. Uh, for the guys that are on the Discord, I posted a, a chart there this morning showing alt season versus Bitcoin season. And right now we're in complete Bitcoin season. And basically what this signals is do not be buying altcoins because, you know, even today with the little short-term relief that we saw in, in Bitcoin, 
we already seen hundreds of influencers on Twitter being like, oh my God, Solana's pumped 12%. Like we're back in a bull market, alt season, let's go. And that just kind of signals that we need more pain in the altcoin market. So it makes sense to me with the way dominance is running, with ETH losing macro support against Bitcoin, you know, with the indicators pointing to BTC taking weight in the market over altcoins, it's very possible that if Bitcoin is to break through 32K and continue its rally upwards to those 37, 38, we could see dominance spike as well to the 51, 52% with that move. And that will largely leave behind altcoins, especially in their Bitcoin pairings. So essentially, right now, Bitcoin is the safest play. Um, altcoins are very risky. People keep buying the dip, but the dip keeps getting lower. Um, I think there's still pain to come for alts, but overall, we're looking good for a short-term relief. Um, alternatively, the best scenario, which we've spoken about a few times over the past couple of weeks, is that we get a rejection here, stocks get rejected at this major resistance, and the whole market comes back down for a continuation downwards, which will put Bitcoin to those low 20K levels that we've been waiting for. And Q, then going forward, you know, to around August time, which you, which or August September, which you've been calling, is the time when the the Fed will pivot um, to you know a more bullish stance. And you just we we were just chatting a bit uh, before we jumped on about you know inflation numbers, unemployment numbers, um, how a lot of that in the coming days is going to turn you know determine what happens in the next few months. So maybe talk about that medium term and what we can expect what, what's the setup looking like at the moment for the back half of this year where where yeah. traditionally you know over the past two years that's usually time where the market especially in crypto just runs and everyone you know by november we reach a top and then from there it's it's down you know to start the next mini cycle yeah well well i think <clears throat> i think what's what's uh what's crucial to to take note of is one, we had four major Fed events last week, which didn't impact Bitcoin price at all. In fact, we had incredibly poor GDP numbers and incredibly poor CPE inflation numbers, but traditional finance pumped. So it was very, very, very weird to see the opposite happen. I mean, it's kind of like the market makes a fool out of the most. So if everyone's expecting short, the market goes long. So it's, it, that kind of makes sense. But with such poor data, you would expect that people would run for the hills. Um, but I mean, maybe also that was priced in or, you know. Could you yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. It, could, it could very well have been priced in. And I think the, the more relevant data is to come. Um, so this Friday, we've got the unemployment rates. And as of uh, April, it was noted that 24,000 employ- uh, 24, job cuts occurred, which is up uh, 14% uh, in April. Uh, from March, so up 14% in the month, um, showing that there's massive, massive unemployment numbers climbing. And that data gets released on Friday. And, you know, that's a signal that the economy has slowed drastically. Um, and with that, we've also got the inflation, the CPI, um, inflation data coming out on the 10th of June. And I think if we see a further decline in that, coupled with really poor unemployment rates, um, we could see the Fed considering that their job is done for the interim. And they will likely stick to their 50 basis points as we have now priced in for June, July. Um, but then pivots in August, September to 25 basis points, considering what state the market is in. Um, but right now, the economy is in a bit of a bit of a <laughs> pickle. 
Yeah, 100%. And uh, Luca, just to jump over to you, you spoke earlier about, you know, seeing some massive gains in alts. Like what what are you seeing there? And also, you know, speaking into our, uh, you know, doom and gloom sort of sentiment about the canned beans, you shared that amazing tweet with us on the weekend, which was which was brilliant, just about how uh, some degen trader was going long, long canned beans and whatever else. What is the sort of... Um, sentiment you guys are well luca in particular what are you what are you seeing you know on in crypto twitter in the market are people as do as doom and gloom as as it seems uh you know or or like you were saying even there's a couple there's a handful of influencers still you know shilling uh shilling alts that guy who's who's been who was shilling luna classic now is probably still telling people to buy buy the dip um so what are you what are you seeing well, I think uh, I'm, I'm not seeing so much um, altcoin shilling. I mean, I will say that, yes, it seems like doom and gloom, but we've also uh, just come out of kind of a money, a free money fiesta. Um, so I think it's probably just a hangover from the party, uh, to be honest. Um, rallies now, I mean, the reason I'm sitting on my hands is, generally speaking, um, these very big altcoin moves um after steep declines in kind of the, the the big cryptos are usually just value extractive um so it, it it's quite rare i think after kind of as much of a kind of brutal period as we've had now to suddenly just get a reversal in altcoins particularly i mean john highlighted the point that um, bitcoin dominance is climbing What's more likely is we're going to go through, in my opinion, multiple vicious cycles of um, of value extraction from uh, unexperienced traders. So I would I would be very I would be very careful um, trading altcoins, to be honest. In fact, yeah. John's, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, just, just a question to you. I mean, is this even a trader's market, right? Like, what what should kind of the everyday person be doing that's looking to allocate? Um, in your opinion, if if allocated yeah. all right, if allocated so all, yeah. so so f- firstly, um, oh, fuck, I blanked. Sorry, guys, COVID brain. It'll come back to me. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely not a time to be trading uh, right now. There are a lot of scalp traders, so guys trading on the three to five minute charts that are you know doing pretty well in these tight ranges that Bitcoin forms, which has been which has been very lucrative area to be trading. But as a, you know, someone who's not a scalp trader, someone who's looking to allocate in the market, your best bet would be dollar cost average into Bitcoin and hold a lot of cash. Um, you know, there, there, there's direct capital flow, you know, just on the point that Luca mentioned, you know, when there's these steep downfalls and alts, but then a strong pump straight after, that's kind of just exit liquidity capital. Guys trying to dump their last bags, catch a bit of retail and push the price up and get out of their positions. And if you look at on-chain data, you can see that that capital is largely flowing into Bitcoin. So there is a huge shift in mindsets of shit and quality. And I think there's a very small small basket of, of crypto assets that are actually going to be considered quality over the coming months. Um, Bitcoin and Ethereum being, being the main ones. Um, so right now, you know, I would I would say well at least what i'm doing is i've been dollar cost averaging into bitcoin in this range um i've been taking a couple of long short scalp trades as well uh just accumulating btc as we move through this kind of like murky water 
Um, but I think the, the best bet here would be dollar cost averaging into BTC for the medium term, anywhere between 32 to 22K, wherever we end up in that range, is, is not a bad idea. And I know that range, $10,000 range, is quite drastic right now. But I think all of us on the pod, you know, we've got pretty big conviction in BTC that it is, you know, the future global reserve, basically. Um, and I think it will come to a point where we see a 200, 300, 400K Bitcoin, um, possibly even a million dollars plus in the next 15 years. So, you know, this $10,000 range now seems insignificant depending on your timeline. Um, so, yeah, I would say stay away from altcoins until we have more surety in the market, until we have, you know, more of a bottom signal. Um, right now, too many metrics point that we're not at the bottom yet. Um, and yes, we might see relief. We might see alts have little pumps now against their dollar pairs. But d- don't be fooled, basically, is, is what I'm trying to say. And I think maybe just to add on to that, you know, we've come, we've come out of this uh, party, basically. Um, and, and a lot of that was underpinned by wildly big, um, fully diluted valuations. And these will be realized for a lot of altcoins quite aggressively over the next 6 to 18 months, I would say. Um, Luca, sorry, just to, just explain fully diluted valuations again. Yeah, sure. So so, so when when uh, the typical kind of VC coin hits the market, there's a low float, meaning the starting circulating supply is quite restricted. That means demand, uh, the demand side outweighs the supply side and the price pumps, basically. Um, and then you effectively have tokens being released, right? But so so initially you start with a low float and that's a certain percentage of the total um, issuance that uh, can ever be circulating effectively. So if you take the price at any point and multiply it um, by the total supply, basically you get the fully diluted valuation. And so over the next like, so, so basically most tokens start with a really low float um, and then this float gets diluted um, so basically, you, you you not only have to fight market conditions holding an altcoin right now, but you've also got to fight dilution. Um, and, and that's quite a powerful cause if you think about the fact that, you know, um, token supplies could double, triple, quadruple over the next uh, one to two years. Uh, so you've got to keep that in mind. There are, of course, altcoins with uh, current circulating supply that's close uh, to total circulating supply. Those are definitely... Um, uh, have a big investment case, um, but you've still got the macro uh, headwinds. So uh, <laughs> I'm a firmly in Jonty's corner there with the outlook. Yeah, I, know, I mean, I was I was going to underpin that by saying, you know, if you look at a f- sort of a conservative-ish fair value, which I know the Winklevoss twins have written a brilliant article about, you know, the case for a $500,000 Bitcoin, which is not the most outrageous claim that's been made of you know the top price it could ever reach we've people have been throwing out 3 million 2 million 1 million you know and they wrote sort of a very well tempered you know logical article around why bitcoin should get to $500,000 in the next 5 to 10 years and still from here i mean it's amazing that you'd more than 10x your money over the long term if you were to invest in bitcoin right now so i think that's you know whenever you look at a long term the long term, which is the hardest thing to do, you know, that's when your, you know, all these blips get smoothed out. Um, so that's the amazing thing. But just, just, just sorry, just on that that point, talking about a 10x over the long term, 
I had an interesting call the other day with a group of guys because um, they they were all asking, you know, what else should they buy and these sort of things. Um, and basically, I, I, I told what else? them none. Yeah, literally, I gave them that exact argument, saying, you know, you're looking at a 10x in Bitcoin over the next four to eight years. And they were like, yeah, but 10x is nothing. Altcoins can give you 100x. And that's still a mentality that's sitting around in the crypto space right now. People don't realize that we, we're not in a bull market anymore. And the days of those 100x positions are, you know, not likely for a couple of years. So it's, it's almost basically just on that point. It, it's just important to manage your greed as well. You know, you've got to be realistic and, you know, not delusional about what the potential gains of currencies are. Just because BitBoy says, you know, Chainlink's going to $4,000 a coin doesn't mean it's going to happen, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, just interested on that note. No, 100%, John. So I, I, I completely completely agree with you. And, like, you know, those guys would probably throw back the saying, saying you know, oh, be, be greedy when others are fearful and you know, all of that stuff. But, it's I mean, if you're greedy on a shit coin that's, you know, going to pump to just less than a dollar and then dump, you know, 100%, and we've literally seen that happen how many times, um, then all that greed didn't pay off. But, you know, yeah. if you're greedy on something like Bitcoin – in this moment, then that will probably pay off because it stood the test of time. How many crashes has this has the has this crypto asset been through? Um, you know, it's 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 crazy. And also, I heard a great quote from uh, um, Brad Gerstner on the the All In Pod. I don't know if you guys listened to the most recent episode. He said he quoted someone, and I'm going to quote him, but he said. In a market structure like this, only the paranoid survive. I love that. I love that. Uh, love that Absolutely. quote. And, and and I've definitely become way more paranoid after everything that happened with Luna. Um, I, I just think I'm I'm questioning everything right now. And uh, like Luca, I'm also sitting on my hands. But it's just I've I've got I've almost got that scar tissue now from what happened, which which is really which is really good. It's it's um it's just given me way more incentive to question everything in crypto and not just and, and i don't think money is just going to flow into every you know alt project game by project right now i think there has to be more temperament on capital that flows in you know whether from retail or or institutional investment um so 100 percent agree with you guys um q before we before we move on from the market i just wanted to ask a quick question so you said your your top relief rally range for bitcoin is around 37 38 potentially yeah i want to ask about ethereum like what are we what price range would be looking would we be looking at for for eth as a you know top rally range and i have a follow-up question on you know ethereum and what happens with the merge um just based on you know what what is it what is the likely you know what would happen to the market say in a in a you know in the likelihood of of, of outcomes or, you know, with the, the probability of outcomes where maybe the Fed doesn't pivot, doesn't do what the market expects, and something like the Ethereum merge goes badly or gets delayed or something something goes wrong, and we, we all know that the, the ETH merge is, is sort of the beacon of hope that almost that, that like the Web3 community is holding on to that, you know, that's going to go well and it's going to be a huge bull indicator for the market. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Well, I don't think it's going to be a price catalyst at all. Um, I, I think people have been waiting for ETH 2.0 for too many years now. 
Um, and with that, we've seen Ethereum's price rocket from fuck $60 beginning of 2020 to over four and a half thousand dollars last year. And now it still sits at around $2,000. Like you regardless know, have, of them I- implementing the merge anywhere. Exactly. But that, that run up has been on the promise of the merge. Cause you must remember that we were originally going to get ETH 2.0 in 2020. Then it got delayed to 2021 and now it's been delayed to end of 2022. So that constant rally pressure that we've seen in Ethereum's price already, I think has largely priced in the bulk of the speculative sentiment around the ETH merge. That's not to say, you know, they might announce ETH merge and then ETH pumps 10% or 15%, but I don't see ETH going two, three, four X the day of the merge, you know? I think, I think um, that's a key point. Cause also, I mean, John's, Right, like you, you said it, the, the positive speculative sentiment has kind of been, speculation has kind of been spent, right? But there is a bit of negative overhang, even with the transition yeah. to proof of stake, right? Like, is, is yeah, that really exactly. the model for Ethereum? And we might even, what was it? We might get a, um, a uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a split. <laughs> yeah, hard fork. Hard fork. Yeah, hard fork. There like, you go. Yeah. yeah. Even a hard fork. And I mean, that would not be good yeah. for, for ETH, right? No, it'll be dismal for Ethereum to do a hard fork. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. So, so, so basically, like, I don't think it's a it's a price catalyst. Um, and I think if the if the Fed doesn't pivot, well, we will go into a prolonged recession, or will likely take two years to recover um, across the board in all markets because the economy will implode. Um, but knowing how greedy politicians are and how greedy the Fed is generally, um, I don't think that they will send the economy that low. Um, I think it's more likely that they'll protect their bags, um, but we just gotta we just gotta wait and see, I guess. Yeah, for sure. What I mean, what if you were to assign a, a probability to that? Do you think what twenty, thirty percent less? I, I think I think well, let's see what inflation is. If inflation's going down, I think it's there's like a good eighty percent chance the Fed will pivot because they realize then that they don't need to go higher than fifty basis points to to bring inflation down. Um, which I think is the key thing because the market has priced that in. But the moment we get talk of 75 basis point again, I think we'll see a, a strong decline in, in, in risk on assets. Um, so we just, we just got to kind of see. But just to get to your question on Ethereum, you know, Ethereum also had amazing bounce from a really, really, really crucial support zone at around that $1,800 level, $1,700 level in that range. Um, and what we did is we actually just bounced all the way back up into our bearish pennant. So we haven't put in a new high and we're maintaining, well, we're still being held down by the upper support of our bearish pennant on lower timeframes. So, you know, as is what I said in the market updates, Bitcoin is outperforming everything, um, even Ethereum. And Ethereum is actually outperforming all altcoins, um, but alts are bleeding into ETH and ETH is bleeding into Bitcoin and alts are bleeding into Bitcoin. All roads lead to Bitcoin right now. So I think while ETH is great at the moment, I mean, sub $2,000 is pretty cheap. I mean, <laughs> if you consider, you know, it's like 60% below all-time high, um, there's no reason why we can't see Ethereum back of $1,100, $1,200. And if we lose those levels down back to $900, $800, um, if we go into that kind of prolonged bearish period. So it's just something to keep in mind, keep dry powder on the side if you're looking to accumulate. But right now, Bitcoin's your best risk to reward. And also, because ETH is bleeding so much against Bitcoin, you could actually take an ETH trade versus Bitcoin. So if you plan on putting $5,000 into Ethereum today, 
and you rather, you know, as an example, put that into Bitcoin. And in a couple months time, once ETH bottoms out versus Bitcoin, you could be getting double the amount of ETH versus Bitcoin pairing than you would buy today. So it's just a lot of things that people don't consider in the market is that, you know, the best thing to do in a bear market is price your net worth in Bitcoin terms, not in dollar terms. And you'll probably come out on top when we go back into the next rally. That's that's super, super valuable, I think, and, and definitely a, a good strategy. And, and it doesn't seem too hard to implement. Obviously, you've, you've got to, you know, be careful of your levels and stuff. But it, it sounds like the 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 normie could also implement that that strategy. So basically, what you're saying is don't buy XRP or Cardano right now. Um, <laughs> which I think which I think is a good point to end on the sort of our conversation around the market. Um, quickly before we try, like last thing before we transition out, you guys all got your Luna 2.0 airdrop, right? I am beyond pissed off about that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I got, John, I wait, like, wait, wait. Are you, are you sitting? Are you also? I saw that, saw a tweet you replied to last night where a guy was like, um, uh, I lost $300,000 in uh, Luna Classic with the implosion of UST, got $60 airdropped for Luna 2.0. I'm so pissed that, off. That are you, is are you, literally my situation. Literally my situation. I got fractions of what my airdrop was supposed to be in the amount I lost in Luna. Fraction. You know, you know what? You know the funny thing about this all is that the people who came into Luna late, these people who are just like trying to sculpt an airdrop or whatever, who had never probably invested in Luna, those are the people who are probably coming out on top with this airdrop. Yeah, exactly. Um, and guys who had AUST, but but even even that far, I know I know our guy in Tradfire yeah, got got a pretty juicy airdrop, but I know guys <laughs> who were heavily allocated in AUST that got absolutely fucking nothing. Um, so I think there was definitely a lot of issues around that airdrop when it came to actually calculating. And a lot of exchanges I've been reading have airdropped the incorrect amounts of Luna to a lot of the holders. So there's been a lot of kind of like turmoil around the whole airdrop situation. But yeah, either way, I think, I think a lot of guys, you know, got burnt. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I think it depends on when you exit it, right? Like, I think... You, you definitely, if you've hodled UST all the way, um, there's nothing that will make you whole, I think, unless they distribute the, the, the BTC reserves um, that are still presumably lying somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I exited at um, 98 cents and um, lost some money, and I sold the liquid portion of the airdrop and I'm um, not far from whole. So we'll see what happens. Um, but there were clearly divergent outcomes. I think I think if you lost money on Luna, um, you, you know, you were kind of screwed, right? It was sort of it was sort, sort of geared more towards the people that were using Anchor Protocol as a savings account rather than speculators in the space or investors. Um, so, and that so was I, the case for me. I held, I held basically zero Luna. So I, I, had a, I had a guy that I know who held his entire life savings in Anchor, and he received 1% value of that in his airdrop. But, but did he Where others received, down? like, then I could he's still it. sitting on, he's, he still sits on that UST in Anchor right now. Yeah. And he only got 1% of his value back in Luna tokens. So there was definitely, 
some kind of complication when it came to actually calculating that. I think because there was such a rushed process, you know, just to get this new lunar token out, I think there were definitely some issues when, when doing the cogs. Yeah, I, I think they I think they rushed everything and, and all of this stuff happening with Duquan now, you know, I think the I saw last night that the South Korean authorities have launched a probe into the terror terror crash, you know, you know, saying uh, you know, Duquan that he allegedly ignored Terra's design flaws from the beginning and apparently this was raised to him by the team and but he proceeded to go and a bunch of other stuff. So I, it's it's not looking it's not looking good and I think this has just become a a calamity beyond repair. I I, I well, don't I think, think there was a world where this airdrop went well. No, well you know I think I think what we need to like be very realistic about now is there's there's firstly two realistic questions that we got to ask ourselves. Does the crypto ecosystem right now, considering possible recession, prolonged bear market? all these factors, do we really need another L1? And two, can people trust Duquan again? And I think, you know, that 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 will largely surface once we see the sell pressure finish. I mean, we, we saw the price on Bybit was at like $27 and then dumped to like $5 and now it's stabilizing around $8 for the new Luna token. But I think, you know, as soon as we see people get back what they lost, essentially, I think, we will see the true price reflection of, of Luna because I wouldn't be surprised if whales manipulate the price to spike it, capture retail. I've already seen some tweets about new Luna going to $100. Like that sentiment's coming back and I would not be surprised if that's just big players looking to capture retail to exit their bags to get back what they lost on the previous Luna cycle. So it's going to be yeah, a very dangerous asset to, to <laughs> trade in my opinion. Again, like you can look at the fully diluted valuation, roughly. Um, I mean, you know that it'll be a billion tokens in total, right? And at a price, it's trading about $8 right now. That's $8 billion. Um, does that make sense for this token? It doesn't have the stable coin. Um, it doesn't have Anchor Protocol. So it's not setting any kind of default benchmark. I mean, what does it have really? Have they even said, you know, what what is going to be a differentiator of this of this new lunar, you know, what what is it going to bring no, to the table? It's it's no, just no, it's an R one. It's, 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 yeah, it's supposed to be a copy. It's supposed to be a copy without USD. Um, so the the value proposition really is quite unclear. Um, so I I think I, mean, <laughs> I think it's due, maybe maybe just one basically. point like phantom phantom. I think I'm just on CoinGecko right now. Has a market cap of a billion, right? It works. Um, <laughs> there's no reason. There's no reason Luna can't work at a at a, at a fully diluted valuation of uh, um, one billion, right? So, and and that would imply kind of <laughs> if you bought now, you'd keep like 17 cents on the dollar. Um, you know, and, and I think maybe that that point is fair on Ethereum as well, right? Like Ethereum also works at, at this. This is uh, this was a, a great tweet. I saw it. Ethereum works at four hundred dollars, <laughs> just as good as it works at two thousand, right? So, um, you know, the speculative you've got to differentiate the, the the utility premium and the speculation premium, right? Like, how big is that utility premium really? Um, probably quite small. Um, if the speculative premium vanishes, then uh, you're probably left with very little in the L1 market. But Luca, that's a that's a great point. Um, you know, as we move into this time where it it does actually become more about utility 
more than anything else. The speculation's gone. The bull market's over. You know, we've crashed down back to reality. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, risky business to be holding on to your Luna right now. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> Q, once you, once you heal from your COVID, we have, to, we, have to, we have to work on mending that wound as well from, from <laughs> Luna. Guys, Take out Luna, the anger against Econ. Listen, I got like 90% of my account out of Luna like a couple of weeks ago. So at least I missed the worst of it. But that 10% I'm sour about. Of course. It's always <laughs> like that. It's always I'm, like that though. I'm very fucking sour about it. <laughs> right. To round out the show, do we want to have a quick conversation just about um, NFT Technologies Inc.? Um, I shared the, the article um, and I think we'll, we'll probably move this into like a broader you know, macro topic about crypto companies and, and projects within the bear market. So basically to give context to the audience, um, you know, this company called NFT Technologies was one of the first NFT companies to actually list on an exchange last week. Um, they listed on the Toronto um, Stock Exchange, the NEO Exchange, which is like for basically alternative or low cap low cap investments. Um, the valuation was over $17 million. It's currently trading. It's, it looks like an altcoin, to be honest. It's trading at 64 Canadian cents. Um, and I think it w- it's been obviously pretty volatile, but quite interesting reading the article, basically why, you know, the founder decided to list now and not, because obviously, you know, companies tend to wait until the, the bull market or, you know, a bull market to, to list into, you know, that's when investors are the most excited about things. Uh, you know, that, that's when your, your capital flows can, can increase the most. And it was interesting to see that especially an NFT company of all things would now list in the depths of a bear market when I think sentiment, sentiment against crypto couldn't be any worse. Um, and, you know, he, he basically says that, you know, we've got enough capital, uh, we're comfortable and everything is really cheap right now. I think he's referring to, you know, the investment in his own company is now, you know, would now cost 80 or 90% less, um, you know, based on a couple of months ago. And it's it's also interesting to see, I want, I want to get your guys' thoughts on what you think. I mean, I, w- I was thinking about, you know, drawing a comparison to, you know, a company like Coinbase, right? When you think of crypto companies, I feel like, this is just from my perspective, you know, when you when you look at the two companies or crypto companies that I know that are listed, which is literally NFT technologies, this one, and Coinbase, I feel like, when you take that leap into the traditional markets as a crypto company, it, it sort of gives you, I don't know, at least from my perspective, it, it it puts some sort of legitimacy at least that these people are taking seriously because we all know how, you know, regu- regulate regulation intensive it is to list a company and, you know, that you have to have a, a functioning finance function. You have to report to the market every three months. You, you know, you have to have controls. You have to have legal, legal teams. Like there is an actual company, right? So my perspective is that it does give a bit more legitimacy to the company. Whereas, you know, we have GameFi platforms like Pixelmons or, you know, play to earn games that are just getting funded and, you know, basically become a retail speculation and then it turns out they're they're a complete rug pull and the founders are are gone within within 60 days 
So what are your guys' perspective on this? Any thoughts on, you know, listing? Were they were they foolish to list right now? Is it is it, you know, too ambitious? Will will this company be fine? And, and maybe focusing less on on NFT technologies as a company, just using that, them as a benchmark. Um, any thoughts on on this? I mean, I, I think there's no better time. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Like, look at the big VCs. They're all raising tons of capital. Like, you know, we, we know for a fact that the biggest money makers in a bull market are the ones that build and prepare in a bear market. And I think, you know, them going public now, yes, it might seem risky, but he makes a valid argument, you know, buying into this company a year ago, you know, you'd be down 90%. So, you know, you're basically buying a floor now. Um, so I think for smart investors or savvy investors, it kind of looks like a very attractive opportunity, um, maybe speculative, but attractive. Did, and, did and you just say to- 17 million, Luca? Yeah, seventeen million dollar market cap on listing. So, very small, very tame yeah. listing. It wasn't, you know, nothing special. Um, it seems. I'm, Let me, I'm just trying I'm to find a market the founder, cap here. I mean, maybe the founder ran out of money. Maybe he did. Like, I mean, we we like, don't know. Like, I mean, we all we we know all as uh, avid followers of the All In Pod know that the private markets are puking. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so maybe there were no options, but it is certainly interesting. And I mean, it ho- hopefully, I mean, we've got Fanec is quite active in the kind of ETF space, trying to index like mining companies, crypto companies in general. I mean, it will certainly be interesting to have more companies that can be indexed, right? Um, I think that can uh, they can pretty much only be a net net positive. And again, like you said, you could it, there's this compliance burden, um, which it's a huge burden. It's a huge burden which can only be beneficial um, for crypto companies really from a, a at least from a, a, a private investor perspective, a public investor perspective, right? Like you, you know, they're not uh, going to run effectively. Like this is a serious company. Whereas you make a fair point, like what is actually a serious company in crypto? If you're on Twitter, you know, like it's, a serious it's, company yeah. is Coinbase. I, I would say, I mean, it, you know, yeah. something like that, uh, Obviously, exchanges are different. I think. Yeah. But but yeah, I I think I think you know it, it's it's maybe they had a look at it and they were like, this is the only way we can actually you know indicate to the market that we aren't a joke by doing this because there, there can't be anything more speculative right now than NFTs. I mean, we didn't speak about yeah. NFTs in the market, but. You know, in in terms of a traditional investor, you know, we're thinking someone who invests on Wall Street. I know, Luca, you know, you that's that's the world you you came you came from. But no, I'm joking. But but yeah. you know, I think for these guys to take something like NFTs seriously, there's got to be a sign of a legitimate business. So it's definitely going to no, be no, interesting. Luke, and I and I'm de- sorry, yeah, Luca, you know, Jason Calican is back um, that NFT startup after party. Right, like it's like yeah, the ticketing, ticketing services. So I think I think people are taking NFTs, the actual technology, very seriously. Uh, it's just that everyone knows that the monkey pictures are going to zero basically over the next couple of months. Uh, maybe it'll take a bit longer, um, but that pyramid is going to have to collapse. Basically. But Luca, you see, I think I I, I think I, I don't want to, you know, I, I think we're hitting the nail on the head. Is that when you say NFTs, you think monkey pictures, you don't think 
ticketing or real utility at the moment. And I think that's going to change. Yes. I hope that's going to change very, very soon. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the speculative elements of like digital artworks is very, very fastly disappearing. Um, you've more got people's hunting for proper utility now, whether that's, you know, event passes or, you know, actual like real base use of the technology rather than just having a cool JPEG on your smartwatch. Um, I mean, just look at board apes, their floor is down from, you know, 125 ETH to 84 ETH. And consider with that, you know, it was 125 ETH when ETH was at $3,500, where you're sitting on a $400,000 NFT there. Today, it's 84 ETH at $1,900 Ethereum. You know, you, 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 your net loss on that is, is drastic, you know. So, so I think the, the speculation of NFTs is, is dwindling quite a lot. Um, but I think, you know, companies like this, I mean, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but you know, companies, you know, that are that are leaping forward with the tech behind the NFTs. Um, I think those guys are going to be successful. And I, I think there's a huge narrative there as well, because NFT technology has application absolutely everywhere. So, yeah, and I mean, yeah. you could, you, John, so you could even argue Gary V's, you know, NFT project has more utility than a lot of these other shilling, shilling projects that are coming out, you know, at least you, you know, you're getting access to him, you to his conference, to well, networking, to all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, even yeah, it's exactly. a bit better. Like even what he did with with his product pre order of his book. I don't know if you guys saw that story. But yeah, I think you we mentioned launching, it last week. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. So I mean, there's just so much application. You know, you've got product pre orders. You can you know create NFTs based on you know supply chain invoicing and things like that. NFTs can verify things for you. You can store crucial documents as NFTs. I mean, fuck this, this. The scope is the scope is endless. Um, yeah, it's 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 yeah. I think the tech is pretty revolutionary. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think we all know that, and uh, that that's sort of. I, I think this is the time to you know build quietly and and come next bull bull market. You know things will be a bit more established. I think we'll have a a lot more use cases. Um, but look, the the skeptics are on full force, right? And and to end off, um, I don't know if you guys. Do you guys know this, uh, the Dogecoin creator, um, Jackson Palmer? He's like a super, like, full-blown crypto skeptic. Um, and he created Dogecoin as a meme. But, and he didn't think, <laughs> you know, he was quoted recently saying, I wish it was the end of crypto, but it's not. Um, so, and I saw another uh, another tweet about Web3 and how it's all a joke or whatever um, from one of those uh, traditional Silicon Valley founders um, who was dunking on Web3 in December around the, the Jack tweeting storm time. So they're out in full force. I think it's the perfect time to just, you know, fly under the radar, build in public, um, you know, build it, build, build in the, sorry, build quietly. And uh, I think let's, let's see what happens next, next bull market. I hope there, I hope there won't be more monkey photo mania. <laughs> um, it just doesn't just doesn't end well. Um, no, I think I think we'll see a twenty thirty eighth April eventually. Um, that could either be the best buy opportunity or <laughs> <laughs> something else. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if Luna if Luna taught me anything, right? <laughs> there's there's as much probability of it going down as there's going as it is going up, right? So. Um, yeah, exactly. Although at that stage, board apps would probably have more utility than than Luna did 
in that I mode. mean, listen, I've, I've been deep diving into, because for the keynotes that I've done, I've had to look into Metaverse quite a bit. Um, and actually diving into the Metaverse scope, it is pretty insane. Like what we interact with today is not even a fraction of what, you know, is to come for this, like what the guys in the underbelly are actually building towards. So it's been super interesting to read a lot about that. And with that, the other side Metaverse, which is Board Ape Yacht Club's Metaverse, looks pretty fucking sick. Like, I'm not going to lie, it, 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 it looks dope. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's a bit of a speculation push in, in, in the, the NFTs for, for the full release of their, their Metaverse space when they game find everything goes live. And interestingly enough, do you know, um, one thing we forgot to mention last week was uh, uh, from the A16Z's State of Crypto report is that the other side, you know, other side land uh, Metaverse land sales yeah. were, the, were the highest land sales of anything in the Metaverse higher than Sandbox. And it's been around for, what, a month or two. And, you know, I think the volume of it had surpassed any other Metaverse land sale that it got and i mean that that actually blew my mind because i was like how well, they managed to do this so quickly well yuga labs brought in 300 million dollars of those land sales i mean Ridiculous. it was it was insane but guys, I, I, think, I, I think that's actually like quite quite a nice uh, uh, point to to also maybe end on like the whole um you know sand it, it it came it wasn't it wasn't around for long and it produced greater volumes than sandbox and now now this is the premier uh, land parcel to own, right? It's like we we have these kind of like hype cycles, and here we've now arrived at the other beads, and everything that came before has it kind of looks a little bit grayer, less shiny, um, and I think that is the risk with these NFT land parcels, effectively in the metaverse, where you you can't predict what's going to happen next. They, there is only like scarcity to the extent that there is basically demand locked into the ecosystem. That's a great, great point. And I think, listen, Oaks, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have to have a more of a in-depth conversation around this, guys. Like, I think uh, we need to unpack what uh, what deep diving Q's been doing in the metaverse. Um, whether it's been in the metaverse or around the metaverse, we don't know. We'll find out. Um, but Q, you know, we, <laughs> talking about the metaverse, I just had them back on my mind. I was like, we're waving the red, the red. Uh, what's the what's the cape thing? You know, in in bull with with the bulls and stuff. The red cape. Oh, and yeah, Steiner yeah. Steiner came running when we when we you know we started talking you, about the metaverse. I got it. <laughs> always, always. No, I love it. Well, well listen, we're going to get the bull out again next week uh, or another another episode. I know uh, one of our last Metaverse episodes, Luca, Luca ended off with saying, boys, can we take a break from the Metaverse for a while, yeah. please? I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> I think well, it's time well, to start talking about it again. I think so too. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, I think something, something quite cool just to, just to note as well is I think we'll see a lot of speculation shifting towards more photorealistic metaverse spaces than, you know, sandbox, which is this quite pixelated, you know, kind of interaction. Um, so I, I just think, yeah, there's going to be a lot more speculation in, in what's to come for metaverse, but it's definitely something that we shouldn't uh, overlook. Um, yeah, because yeah, essentially think, you're playing a game, you know, Decentraland is like, the sims basically but but that that's that's the thing like metaverse is not supposed to be that that's like a small fraction of what the metaverse is is this game five mechanism um you know it's rather this unified parallel universe to what we do in our everyday lives that's like the true application of it 
rather than just a gaming system. 100%. Um, and that's, it, that's it, what it, we were talking about, right? There, yeah. Last November, there was that flash in the pan. As soon as Meta rebranded, everything became Metaverse. Exactly. And, and, the, and the thing is, like, a lot of those companies are building what they believe their vision of the Metaverse is. But, you know, when you, when you think about the Metaverse, like the ambitions of the Metaverse that the, the developers in the underbelly talk about, it's the space where, you know, you can run around teleporting from one fucking meta galaxy to another in your avatar, playing games, going to restaurants, visiting your friends, doing your online shopping, receiving the physical packages in real life at your doorstep. You know, like all these applications of everyday life just in a virtual space, like we have the Internet for Facebook and, you know, take a lot and Amazon and all these kind of online platforms. It's basically taking all of that and putting it into a photorealistic virtual space where you can actually interact with it more. It like improves user social and economic exp- uh, experience completely. Um, so I think I think there, there's, there's a lot of scope, but it's. Fuck, I mean, the technology needed for that will need intense 5G network to have connectivity everywhere. You know, we need mad rendering power. There's there's so much tech that still needs to be, you know, upgraded <laughs> before we can achieve those ambitions. So I think it's going to be an interesting decade ahead. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a cool road, I think. 100%. That's, that's a teaser for next time. Um, Luca, maybe we want to save your thoughts for... For next time, yeah, um, no, maybe you can problem. you can you can start writing your your <laughs> your rebuttal speech against <laughs> the case against metaverse. No, I'm joking. I know we 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 ragging you, but but uh, I think it, it's more your it's more it was more just your annoyance with the the hype cycle of everything and that everything was being sold as metaverse. I think um, it was when that metaverse super yacht sold for like seven hundred and fifty dollars. Yes. Side of it side of was like I'm out. I'm done. I'm had enough done. of this, yeah. I'm fucking done. <laughs> literally, literally. That was definitely tax fraud. There is no way some <laughs> yacht is worth seven hundred and fifty million dollars. Like that was Well it was. Yeah. Well it was. I'm sorry. It's probably look, it's yeah. probably I, I would actually like to look up I don't know, I am not gonna try and look up now, but someone needs to look up how much that yacht is currently trading for? What's the, what's the fair market value right now? Well, Must considering Jack, Jack Dorsey's tweet from two point nine million dollars to like ten dollars or something, I won't expect that that um, metaverse ship to be worth much today. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, right. Thanks, boys, for a great episode. As always, um, for Galactic Q and your guy in Tradfire, uh, that's episode. 28 in the bag we are absolutely zooming our way to 30 episodes i can't believe it like when i when i think that we you know we started this uh, journey last november um and uh you know i said to you guys before we started you know boys we once we open the can of worms we got to we got to put out put something out every week and we literally i think we have for the most part i think we've missed about two weeks in the in that in that time frame um which is quite crazy so you know it's it's always always having fun with you guys uh, every week and and thanks for providing value and your insights on the market. Um, as always, to everyone in the audience for more valuable insights on the market and market deep dives and uh, just general fun chats around blockchain and and uh, everything else and crypto and how much we all lost on Luna. Uh, please join the Discord. The link is currently in the description um, and it will be in the description when the episode's published. So. Come and say hi down there, um, and we will all see you for episode 29. Thanks, boys.